Hey there, I am Anna Michelle Gomo and you are welcome to the podcast. This is a safe space where I get to talk about God and how we can build our relationship with Him. On each episode, we'll be diving below the surface of the Bible to encounter God and grow. Currently, we are on a 365-day Bible challenge and it has been fantastic so far. And so I invite you to join us today because God has a word for you, but it is up to you to listen. So please stay tuned. Hey guys, welcome back to another amazing episode of the podcast. Today is 99 of our Bible in Year challenge. And I am more than excited. I know I usually say this every episode that I'm excited to see you, but today I am triple excited to have you guys tune in because today is the first day of our Messianic checkpoint and we will be going through the entire Gospel of John in a week. And as much as it's going to be a great experience, like reading through the life of Jesus um, from the Gospel of John, one thing that I would like to um, quickly say to you my listeners, to you guys listening on the other end, is that sometimes it might feel very overwhelming. You know how we've been going through the entire um, journey from Genesis? Sometimes it might feel like you're not getting everything that you should be getting. Sometimes you feel like we should be spending more than a day, in fact, up to a month on just one chapter of Genesis. And I'm probably not the only one that feels that way. Sometimes I feel like I don't have enough time to grasp all that I need to get or to learn everything that the Bible offers verse after verse. But I would just like to encourage you that um, God will give you just enough for what you need today. So you do not have to worry about how much you're learning or how much you're grasping or understanding. Like I said way before when I started this journey or this challenge, that the Bible is not just a book a history book of words but it's living meaning that every single time you read a chapter or you read a verse or you read a book it's going to give you a new perspective it's always going to have something new for you to learn you're always going to see it in a different light it doesn't matter how many times i've read i definitely i have read through the book of john before but i'm pretty sure that reading it now i'm going to be seeing things a whole lot different i'm definitely going to be learning new things and that is the that is the good part of it that is the exciting part of it. you you do not have to learn everything once and for all like you study for a history test or some geography exams this is our guide throughout our life so you have enough time to read and read and read over and over again so i just said i should say this for somebody that might feel like we're going through the entire gospel of john in just a week and it might seem that we are rushing up on things because we'll be reading three chapters per day so sometimes it feels like we're going over some things too quickly or we might not touch up on some things just um going to put that out there that god will give us what we need for each day i solemnly believe that and i hope you believe that too you do not have to get everything at once and hopefully anything that i might skip out on my reflections you guys will be kind enough to um send in your opinions through the voice messages so i would definitely be appreciating that at this time and this point of our journey because there are just so many things to learn and so if you have something that you think i should know 
um, as we move on on this journey, please, please, please send me a voice message about your opinions or your reflections. I would definitely be appreciating that. And with that, we would be diving into today's readings. So also, I'm going to put this that um, this is a gospel. This is the gospel of John. So my episodes are going to be triple times longer. I hope you guys don't mind, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to have a lot of things to say on every reading of the day as long as we are going through the gospel of john so (laughs) please stay tuned so now we will begin with john chapter one and the book of john just begins with this explosive introduction like it just goes straight to the point like there is no there is no cover-up there is no preview john chapter one verses one hits the nail on the head and this will give us a a preview of what the entire gospel of john is trying to do the gospel of john is trying to tell us of who god is of who jesus is jesus is not just as the prophet or the priest but jesus as god himself and it says in the beginning the world already existed the word was with god and the word was god from the very beginning the word was with god Through him, God made all things. Not one thing in all creation was made without him. The word was the source of life, and this life brought light to people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never put it out. Like, how how amazing is that? I I feel like when you read this... um, first verses of John is like an answer to a question and what is the question the question is probably the question that most people were having at that time and are still even having up to now the question of if Jesus is actually God Jesus came as a human being so most people have a hard time believing especially as we're going to be seeing in the um, readings preceding this day that people would just want to settle for Jesus as a religious teacher jesus as a priest jesus as a prophet probably jesus as a pharisee or as a scribe or as a rabbi but some people have a hard time believing that jesus is god you know logically it doesn't make sense because how can god come in the form of a human how can god come after so many prophets you know sometimes especially when we even see where Jesus calls himself the son of God. And so when we read that, we might, we might see it as Jesus condescending himself to be lower than God himself. You know, we see it in um, our culture that the son is always lower than the father. You know, the son comes from the father. And so sometimes when we um, translate that to what Jesus is saying, we might Confuse it as Jesus saying that he is lower than the Father or that he came after God the Father. But this, this verses kind of give an answer to that question. That Jesus is not lower than God the Father. Jesus is not lower than God. Jesus is God. There was not a time that Jesus did not exist. He has existed from the beginning, even before the beginning of time. Because through him everything was created so these verses give more light to the fact that jesus is god 
who is also eternal, who has always been in existence from the beginning of time. And when we look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 1, um, there is something very important I want to add because even in Genesis, I don't know if I added this when we were reading this in the first day of this challenge. I probably added it, I don't know. But Genesis chapter 1 gives us, especially from verses 1 to 3, gives us a scenario involving the three persons of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to read that um, part real quick. That is Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. It says, In the beginning, when God created the universe, the earth was formless and desolate. The raging ocean that covered everything was engulfed in total darkness, and the Spirit of God was moving over the water. Then God commanded, Let there be light, and light appeared. In just these three verses alone, we see God in three persons. We see God the Father. First of all, we see God the Spirit that is moving over the waters. And then in verses 3, it says, Then God commanded, which is God the Father commanded, Let there be light. That was the first word that God spoke, as we see in this um, creation story. Let there be light. And that word, that word of God is Jesus. That is exactly what John is trying to explain in this first verses of chapter 1, that Jesus is the word of God that has always been in existence from the beginning of time. Jesus is that word that through him, everything was created because when we read the creation story, at different points, God said, let there be light, let there be the firmament of heaven, let there be creatures and animals and birds. The word that was spoken, made flesh, is Jesus. I don't know if I'm making sense. I hope I'm making sense to you. I hope you're getting this because it's going to escalate really quickly. So this first word of God says, let there be light. And then light appeared. This is the same light that John references when he says in verses five, the light shines in darkness. In verses four, it says the word was the source of life and this life brought light to people the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has never put it out it has never been able to put it out to this day this light is the same light that godfather said in genesis chapter 1 verses 3 let there be light and so when we when we look at this two different parts of the bible we see that jesus has been there since the beginning of time and we're going to be seeing this um all along our journey through the Gospel of John, where John tries to give us different instances, different miracles, everything that John tells us in his narrative of the life of Jesus is trying to accomplish one thing, which is to prove that not only is Jesus a priest, not only is Jesus a teacher, not only is Jesus a miracle worker or a prophet, but Jesus is God himself. This is the mystery of the Holy Trinity, which is God being one, but being three persons. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It is a mystery. One plus one plus one is supposed to be equal to three. But in this case, one plus one plus one equals one. Um, 
I would like to advise if you are having a hard time or if you want to learn more about the Trinity and how um, how we can understand it. We cannot fully understand it. I mean, that is exactly why it's called a mystery. But we can we can have an idea. We can have a little idea of what it is to be worshipping one God but have three persons in one God. And I would advise that you go through this podcast. It has been helping me so much. It's called the Catechism in a Year podcast by Father Mike as well. It has been super helpful in understanding this. Um, we're going through the entire catechism of the church, how we pray, why we pray the way we do, why we worship God the way we do, what God expects from us, who we are in essence, like why are we even existing? You know, questions like that, you know, very complex questions like that. And um, hopefully that podcast will be able to answer the question about the Holy Trinity to an extent. So I would advise you to go check that out. Moving on. In um, verses 6, it says, God sent his messenger, a man named John, who came to tell people about the light so that all should hear the message and believe. And I feel like this mandate is not just for John alone. It is for every single Christian, everybody that identifies as a Christian, identifies as a child of God. This is the call that we've been given. This is the purpose that we've been given as we believe, as we have been granted that right to be children of God, as he says in verses 12, that we have been granted that right to be children of God by believing in Jesus. We are also called to spread this word and spread this message to everyone else so that they also might have the opportunity to believe in Jesus and be saved. And then moving on, we see John the Baptist have his first encounter with Jesus. And something I learned from that whole story is that John the Baptist was preaching about the coming of Jesus, was making straight the path of the Lord, was baptizing people even before he saw Jesus. Jesus came to John the Baptist and he recognized him because God told him that the one whom you see, the dove, the spirit, descend upon is the one who would baptize with fire, is my son. And that was how John the Baptist was able to recognize Jesus. But long before that, John was already preaching. John was already preparing people for Jesus. John was already baptizing. And for me, this can be translated to the fact that before we, should I say, I mean, we, we, we pray to have that encounter with Jesus, right? We always pray to have that spiritual revelation of Jesus, to have that um, closer bond with Jesus, to be able to know him and see him and recognize him every time he reveals himself to us. But I feel that before that, we have to not only prepare ourselves, but we have to be part of the work of preparing others for Jesus. It's not enough for you to just pray about seeing Jesus or about um, recognizing him or about um, Jesus revealing himself to you. It's more about how do you prepare yourself for that? Sometimes we, we make prayer requests that we are not even ready for. Sometimes we pray that we want to be promoted at work. Sometimes we pray to have uh, our salary tripled. But how ready are we for that prayer request to be answered? In as much as we want to see God, um, we all want to see God, we all want to go to heaven. But how prepared are we to see God? We know, if anything, 
uh, going through this journey that God is holy and God's presence cannot withstand sin. And so when you when you recognize that we are sinful, our human nature is sinful, are you prepared to stand before God in your sin right now? And this just goes as far as to let us know that while we are praying and while we are hopeful that we would spend the rest of eternity with God, we have to prepare ourselves and also be part of the work in preparing others to meet God before God reveals himself to us. I think that is astounding. And even while um, Jesus was being baptized, we have also the three persons in the Holy Trinity being present. We have God the Father saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Although it doesn't state that in this gospel, in other gospels, we can see that, that there is a voice from heaven that said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And then you have the Holy Spirit also being present, descending on Jesus like a dove. And then you have Jesus also being present. The one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit was baptized with water by John the Baptist. I think that is also an amazing mystery. Like why would why would Jesus be baptized or choose to be baptized by John the Baptist even when he when he is God himself? This also leads to a very common confusion that most people have, you know, saying that Jesus is as man as much as he is god sometimes some people have uh, a hard time believing that uh you know that how how can jesus be god and also be man at the same time i feel like it's not it's not a half half ratio it's not that jesus was half man and then was half god jesus is fully god and also fully man to take one out of the other is to reduce or to devalue the purpose of Jesus' coming. When you say that, okay, maybe it's impossible that Jesus was God. I mean, he was born of a human mother. There is no way that Jesus, God, or God himself would reduce himself to come as man. And then you reduce the value of Jesus' purpose, which is that God would sacrifice God for man. Now that reduces to God sacrificing a mere human being. For man which uh, that really doesn't make as much sense and so when we also um try to say that you know probably god is just what was fully god and so his fullness of being god kind of covered his humanity you also devalue his sacrifices you devalue the pain that he experienced all through his passion because i mean god is god he's all-powerful so he doesn't feel any pain so that can mean that jesus felt no pain jesus felt no suffering all through his journey here on earth but jesus is fully man and fully god this is also a mystery um that some people find it hard to understand jesus while being god knew his purpose coming to earth he knew who he was he knew he was a son of god and we see that when we read through the Gospel of John, all of the parables, all of the miracles point to the fact that Jesus was fully God. And then we also know that Jesus was fully man because he experienced human sufferings. He knew what it meant to have nothing. He knew what it meant to 
be ashamed and he knew what he meant to experience pain. He knew what it meant to feel abandoned. Anyways, we'll be diving so much deeper into that, moving on. And that is, this is just chapter one. Like, (laughs) I think my episodes are going to be about an hour long. And I I owe nobody no apologies. I am going to be diving real deep into this gospel. It is so interesting. Lastly, um, from chapter one, we also read how Jesus encounters his disciples. The first one being the disciples of John the Baptist, one of them being Andrew. One thing I can say, particularly about this encounter, is that when one found out that Jesus was the Messiah, or Jesus was the Son of God, Jesus was the one that they were expecting, they went to tell another person. So you have Andrew discovering that Jesus was the Messiah. He went to tell his brother, Simon, who Jesus later said would be named Cephas, which is the rock. And then you have um Philip encountering Jesus and goes to tell Nathaniel that he had met the Messiah. And this just um, should speak volumes about the fact that everybody that encountered Jesus just couldn't help but let everyone else know that they had seen and met Jesus and they wanted them to be a part of that. And this is how it should be for us. When we encounter God, do we just keep it in? Do we, do we feel embarrassed? To let people know? Do we feel ashamed to bring others into this amazing plan that we are a part of? Like, what is our response to that? When we encounter Jesus, our resolve, our um, our response to, to that should be to be so overwhelmed with joy that you go and tell other people that you want everyone else to experience this joy. And so this is a a call for us. This is an assignment pretty much for us that as we are encountering and knowing more about God and experiencing his love, there are so many others that have no idea that this kind of thing exists. As hard as it may sound, imagine like even for us Christians that we know that we have a God who loves us and who protects us and who plans our lives for us. It is still hard for us to move day by day it is still hard for us to go through things and to deal with our troubles so imagine how much more harder it is for people that believe that god doesn't exist for people that believe that god is wicked for people that don't accept god's love imagine how much harder it is for them to move through life and so this is that wake up call guys um i don't think any of us can claim to be true Christians if we find it embarrassing or if we find it shameful to let others know about God. So hopefully we get to work on that. If there is anyone listening that is just struggling with that, I hope the Holy Spirit helps you and enlightens you about your call and your purpose. And that is all for chapter one, guys. Moving on to chapter two. Chapter 2, first thing that comes to us is Jesus' first miracle at the wedding of Cana. And this is one major instance that um, we like to cite the importance and the role of our dear Blessed Virgin Mary in interceding for us to Jesus, her son. So the first thing that we see, the first conversation is Mary asking Jesus to help this 
couple who have um, surprisingly run out of wine at their own wedding feast. And Jesus tells Mary that his time has not yet come, meaning it wasn't time for him to reveal himself as God or as a miracle worker. Probably he had future plans or he had other plans. But surprisingly, Mary just, she just kind of waves that off like, okay, whatever. And then she tells the servants, do what he asks you to, or tells you to do. Because it's like she just had that confidence that at the end of the day, Jesus was going to listen to her. And in as much as, I mean, the truth is that God is God and nothing takes him by surprise. Jesus probably also knew that he was going to work that miracle at the feast. So it wasn't like it was a surprise attack. But Jesus still told his mom, told Mother Mary, that it wasn't his time yet. But because of her supplication, because of her, because the request came through her, the outcome was different. And Jesus ended up performing this amazing, transformative miracle. And so this is one great instance that we see where Mother Mary kind of steps in on people's behalf and so if you're having a hard time uh jesus is our intercessor jesus also intercedes to us um to god the father asking for mercy and for pardon but mother mary who is the first living ciborium i don't know some so all this um words i'm using some of you might not understand <laughs> so ciborium is this it's it's a i don't know it's, it's a tool it's where the Holy Communion is placed in during the Holy Eucharist. Sorry, during the adoration. The, the Holy Eucharist, which is the body and blood of Jesus Christ, is placed in this, it's like a circular, I don't know how to explain it. I feel like you should just Google it. You have a better understanding of what a ciborium looks like. But anyways, it's where the Holy Eucharist is placed for adoration. So, when we say that our Blessed Mary is the living ciborium, the first living ciborium, we mean that at the Annunciation, when she accepted that hard call to be the mother of God, to be the mother of Jesus, she also accepted along with that the grace to uphold and to live out that call. Meaning in her, she contained God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that is another topic for another day. I could talk hours about that. But anyways, if you're having a hard time, if you're having a prayer request that seems impossible, you can ask our Blessed Mary for intercession and for help. Some people feel like that's wrong because they feel like Mary is dead. Mary is a dead person. And they also have a problem um, with praying to saints because they feel like we shouldn't pray to dead people. Well, just to answer that question in a sentence, Dead people are dead people, living people are living people. People that believed in Jesus are not dead because they have been raised to life. Even anything, people that are dead in Christ are more alive than we are here on earth. So we can be assured that they can pray for us to God because they are in the presence of God 247, praising Him. So probably going to do another episode i have i think i've been oh i've been saying so much about doing future episodes on different things so i already have a long list of episodes to do right after this challenge hopefully you guys remind me of them when i'm done with this challenge but still on the miracle at the wedding of cana i think one 
the reason why we jumped into the gospel of john real quick even though we weren't done with first samuel is that we're trying to draw that contrast or similarity between the old covenant and the new covenant so we've been going through the old covenant all of this while on this journey one quote i heard somewhere says that the new covenant is hidden in the old and the old was revealed in the new that means one cannot work without the other they are both of the same god it's not two different sides of god or two different gods um operating in the different testament or covenant it's still the same god but there is that relationship between the two and this is what we're trying to achieve so now we've seen quite something of the old covenant all of this while so we're going through the, the new covenant the new testament to kind of draw that relationship between the two and all the while in the old we've been seeing that transformative power of god as well changing something that is bad something that is broken people that were so bent on doing evil to this new people with a new identity with a new purpose with a new calling and we also see that here at the wedding of cana so it was in the jewish um custom that you have like jars of water and this water were not drinkable water this water was used for washing pretty much they washed their hands and their feet before they ate it's part of the laws of moses if you remember all the laws we've been going through in the first five books but it was this same water that jesus used to transform to an amazing wine a wine that the the guy the man in charge of the feast said was the best wine and so jesus can also perform that miracle even in our lives if there is anything that seems useless anything that seems filthy or that seems dirty or out of place in our life jesus can transform that to wine jesus can transform cleansing water jesus can transform dirty water in our lives to wine jesus can transform that hopeless situation into a testimony and that is that is one of the amazing things of being with jesus because when we read through this gospel of john we'll see different miracles and these miracles were so that people would get to believe in jesus they were so that people would see that jesus was truly who he said he was but take make no mistake that in as much as this miracles were given to increase people's faith in jesus people that only followed jesus for their miracles we would see that they they wouldn't last long because this miracle served only one purpose to help us believe in jesus but they are not the sole reason why we should follow jesus because as also we would see that there would come a time where the miracles would stop and so that begs the question that would you still be willing to follow jesus when the miracles stop when jesus doesn't seem seem i say seem because he's always going to be <laughs> but sometimes when jesus doesn't seem powerful or all-knowing when it seems that jesus doesn't have everything in control when it seems that jesus is helpless would we still be willing to follow him in um chapter 2 verses 23 or let me just go further to 24 it says but jesus did not trust himself to them because he knew them all there was no need for anyone to tell him about them because he himself 
knew what was in their hearts. Jesus went to the temple in Jerusalem and he made this bold acclamation that they should tear down this temple in three days he's going to build it back up. We're told that he was talking about the temple of his body and that is his death and resurrection but they didn't know. Their eyes were closed to all of that. To them he was talking about the physical temple and even after all of these miracles some people refused to believe. With the miracles, some people believed only because of the miracles. We will be told that it's even in this same Jerusalem that Jesus was falsely accused. It was in Jerusalem that Jesus was sentenced to death. It was this same Jerusalem that Jesus went on Palm Sunday on a donkey as a king. And you have people throwing their palms, throwing their clothes, proclaiming him as king. It was this same Jerusalem that the people turned against him and shouted that he should be crucified. And so Jesus sees our hearts. Um, Jesus knows. He knows everything. He knows why we follow him. He knows why we believe in him. And that is why we should be very careful of the reason why we follow God. If it is because of the miracles and all the good things that come with that, unfortunately, you won't be able to last very long because as much as I know about being a Christian is that it's not always going to be rosy. It's not always going to be perfect. Not everything will fall into place every single time. There are some times that you're even going to have more questions than answers. But the thing is that we trust through the miracles that we have seen previously. We, we rely on those to give us hope that Jesus is still God when he's proclaimed as king and even when he's condemned to death. That Jesus has always existed from the beginning of time and will always exist. And then moving on lastly to chapter 3, we see this amazing encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus. So three main things I'd like to cite from this amazing conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, who was also a Pharisee, is that, first of all, Jesus tells Nicodemus that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again of water and of the Spirit. So being born of water, being born again of water means to be baptized, which is something that can be performed by anyone. Um, it is the first sacrament of the church where we become the children of God. So this is where we are cleansed of our original sin that we inherited from Adam and Eve. We can now partake in the benefits and in the rights of being children of God. This is like the initiation process. You know how it was for Jews to be circumcised. You know, that is how it is for we Christians to be baptized into the church. And then we have also been born again of the Spirit. But in this case, this is the baptism of the Spirit. It cannot be performed by anyone, only by Jesus. This is where Jesus gives the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who are a part of his church. And this is where you can begin to um, fully exercise the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And these are two important um, baptisms that is of water and of spirit that helps us to fully identify as children of God. In the church, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is known as confirmation. This is the third sacrament yeah is the third because you have holy communion as the second 
So the third sacrament is the confirmation where the Holy Spirit is given to you. And along that, the gifts, the fruits, and everything that has to do with the Holy Spirit, how amazing it is that we get to have God, the third person of God, the Holy Spirit, live in us. The same Spirit that gives life, the same Spirit that gives self-control, the same Spirit of love that exists between the Father and the Son can now live in us. And this is why we should value ourselves so much. This is why we should value this temple that we've been given charge of because God lives in us. So you have to value yourself. You have to know your worth. You have to know who you are pretty much and know what it is that lives in you so that you do not desecrate it, so that you do not treat it with contempt, so that you do not let any any unclean thing or anything that could ridicule God in you. So that is one thing I got from that. The second thing I like to cite is where um, Jesus says that in verses 14, that is chapter 3, verses 14, Jesus says that as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the desert, in the same way, the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. I'm pretty sure I cited this when I was um, talking about the whole pandemic that happened in the desert. Jesus is lifted up from the ground on the cross. And that is not just the sign of death. It's not just a sign of defeat. It's not just a sign of a powerless God. It is a sign of a victory over death. It is a sign of light that has overcome darkness. And that is the sign that gives us hope. That we do not always have to end up in this endless cycle of disobedience like the Israelites. We do not always have to be in this constant enmity with God. But we have another chance to make it right with God. We have a God who loves us so much that he offered up himself for us. And when we accept that, when we come into that relationship, when we choose to surrender and submit entirely to him, we are joined by him in that sacrifice and we are exempted from being judged. And this is what Jesus meant when he says in verses 18 that those who believe in the Son are not judged, but those who do not believe have already been judged. And so this is just a clear this is a very clear statement. Um, as much as I want to be open and be accepting and say that there are many ways to be saved or there are many ways to know God, the truth is, and I would not be helping if I do not say this truth, the truth is that there is only one way. There is only one way to be saved. There is only one way to eternal life. There is only one way to a relationship with God, and that is through Jesus Christ. You have to believe in Him. And it's not just a way of God forcing you to do something you don't want to do. This is an act of love. This is the first, and this is the last act of love that God gives to us in an attempt to bring us closer to him in an attempt to restore our right as his children 
And the last but not the least is the most famous verse. Everyone pretty much knows this verse. That is John 3, 16, where Jesus says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not die, but have eternal life. And that is, that just wraps up the whole, if you're just looking for a very short phrase to summarize the entire Bible, to summarize human history, to summarize the entire of our existence, it is in this verse that God's love was so huge and so great for us that he gave his only son. God gave what he loved most for the people whom he loved. And he sacrificed that, that whoever gets to accept this free gift that we obviously could not buy, whoever gets to accept that would be saved. And so that is just amazing. Um, I hope if there is anyone having doubts about believing in God or accepting him or surrendering to him, I hope and I pray for you that you choose him and that you accept this love that God freely offers to you because he wants you to know him and he wants you to love him in return and he wants to be your God and he wants you to be his child, not just his people or his servant anymore. This is the new covenant. Things have changed, you know. So God doesn't just want you to be um, his servant, worshiping him day and night. He wants you to be his child. While you worship and serve him, you get that right to inherit his kingdom. And that is just so astounding. Um, this is just day one of the Gospel of John. And I could go on and on and on, but I think this is enough for today. Um, hopefully you've read the readings as well and God speaks to you through them. Thank you so much for listening this far. I will see you guys tomorrow, same time, same place. Please have an amazing day.